0: B
1: N. Hey, Justin. What's going on? Another beautiful day at Little Beaver Brewery. It's Inside, it's nice. nice. <laughs> How, inside, it's, it's nice. You don't
0: want to sit on the patio today?
1: No, I was thinking that when I was walking in. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: like the most miserable uh, miserable thing outside, like when it's just it's raining all day, dreary, windy. Yeah. What the heck?
1: Yeah, it... Uh, yeah. It just reminds me that snow's coming. Yeah. Like, cause yesterday, um, it was what forty plus degrees, sunny. Like mm-hmm. I was like, this is awesome. And then reality check was today. Yeah. I, mean,
0: I would I would definitely prefer snow to this too. But just drop a few more degrees and give us some snow, man. But
1: I just don't like any you of don't it. Don't like snow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: give me sunshine. Well, I'm feeling good in here. I've got a, um, I think it's pronounced Weizick. W e w y e z i c k. It's a new. Brew that they have—it's a hefeweizen. Um, usually not too much of a hefeweizen guy, but it was new, so I tried it. It's nice and light. Good to have with my sandwich in front of me. I got a barbecue chicken sandwich, Bar- ham and chicken, so I got two different meats on there. Love the um, protein. Uh, Kelby would not be happy with me because he, uh, as he says, he doesn't eat things to poop. So
1: I didn't—I didn't know that. I didn't I, know he was a vegan.
0: I apparently do, so here I am enjoying it. I did try the Holly Jolly White Peppermint Stout. I had a little sample of that. I'm not a big peppermint person. All right. It was like, it, I, it would be like if you had beer and dropped some, like, mints in there and let it, like, sit for a while. It was very pepperminty, So it's not my thing. Yeah. But if, if you're a peppermint person, like, it does not, it, it's not uh mismarketed. let's just say it that way. So. I like
1: peppermint. Like, that's, I, I don't like Christmas that much or winter that much, but I look forward to peppermint things every winter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely there. So, if, I mean, if that's, uh, I'm not going to hate on the peppermint people. I know you're out there. So that's. <laughs> That is not a subtle flavor in that guy. So.
1: <laughs> so,
0: yeah. And you got some of those tacos coming too?
1: I got some tacos, yeah. Um, I wasn't going to eat while I was here, and then I changed my mind quickly. Yeah, so. those things are tempting. So, <laughs> cool.
0: Um, I was actually at Distill with some friends yesterday. Yeah. Um, we took a tour there. The brewery, yeah. Um, yeah, they just opened a brewery tours again. Okay. It's, uh, it's very cool. My friend went up there. He just did a – I didn't know this was going on. He did a program through Little Beaver – that was um, like home brewing uh, oh, cool. instruction and he said they, they went through the process and made some beer and drank it yesterday and uh, said it was absolutely horrible <laughs> um, he, he did not do a good job and it just made him really really appreciate what the brewmasters can really do because it's, it's a hard thing to even get something that tastes good at all and then to do what, like, people like Chad Beaver do to make these, like, delicious, versatile things, I mean, it's quite a it's quite a talent that they have.
1: I had so. a similar, this is not, nothing to do with beer, but I had a similar experience because I, for a long time, wanted to make my own salsa. Or not salsa, I'm sorry, oh, hot yeah. sauce. Hot sauce. <laughs> hot sauce. Because yeah. I, I, I love hot sauce, love everything hot. Thank you. Um, and my taco was just right, I'm excited. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to make my own. And I, you know, save jars to do, and stuff and fermentation stuff and peppers and all kinds of stuff. And I tried it, let it ferment for however long I was supposed to let it ferment, got it out, and it was just disgusting. (laughs) Like, it was awful. I wanted to like it just a little bit so much, and I just threw it all away. I couldn't do it. So I have appreciation for hot sauce makers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, um, Steve
0: said that, uh, Steve, my friend, said that after, like, Chad could kind of diagnose what was wrong with it, and he took it and was going to still do something, make something with it. So he was going to salvage the the (laughs) concoction that they did. And um, I just mentioned it, it, like, the, the equipment that's in this building and in Distill, like, this is world-class equipment. The sizes of the vats they have, the stuff that they're doing. It's, um, my friend's an aficionado. He, aficionado, he's brewed, pre- pre- like, you know, the major, he's toured the major national sure. chains breweries. And he says they got the same stuff going on here. And, uh, just makes me so happy that there are these places that start here. In the in the Midwest, in McLean County, in Bloomington, Normal, they they grow. They're now distributing like all over the country, all over the world, and just still state.
1: In this case, um, I love seeing every time a little Beaver posts uh, that they're in a new state. Like that's always cool to me. Yeah, uh, it's like hey, yeah. we just opened up this state or this state. It's that's cool. awesome.
0: It's the kind of stuff that just makes me really love living here, and uh, it's a real blessing. And so, now
1: Rivian, right? We're gonna start seeing Rivians all over the country, and we can say yeah, hey, that I, was made in Normals. I just saw
0: my I just saw my first one in the wild. I saw one of the trucks in. Uh,
1: Veterans Parkway. Um, No, I've been seeing him for a while. Um, There's one that goes... He's on Veterans about the same time I am, like 4.30 in the morning uh, at the gym. And then there's a different one that goes to my gym that I see quite often. So they're out there for sure. They're getting delivered. Wow. So I'm... I'm actually
0: really interested to see what direction that the city and the town take with housing, how to to deal with that. Um, To my knowledge, I haven't seen anything in the... Agendas or news to indicate that there's any like specific discussion going on, but I don't see the vision coming from the mayors and the council of what we're going to do, and I'm very concerned that we're going to start going back to that '90s um, development pattern. I mean, the stuff we learned about in the '90s is not really working great: is the sprawling out, buying farmland, converting into houses. Yeah. You know, um, so I'm. I'm really interested to see how that conversation
1: develops if Rivian takes off like it looks like it's going to and we need places uh, for people to live. Well, there's definitely a housing shortage, right? I mean, we, we're seeing that with the real estate market. We had Monica Bullington on a couple months back talking about that. Um, and, and I know, I mean, you and I both sit on planning commission and we've approved some developments and uh, different phases and stuff, most of which still considered infill, meaning that there's already infrastructure going out towards it, uh, even though it's... A lot of it does kind of go on the outskirts of our infill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think it's a balance. Like, you gotta, you have to be able to develop where people want to live, right? You can't yep. force people to, For to sure. be in the center of town. Um, but you also got to be smart about it and not cost the rest of the city uh, money, taxpayer money, to develop uh, something. Uh, make another mistake like the Grove, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Grove is a beautiful place awesome for families I see like they had an easter egg hunt out and like i always try to say that because i don't want to it always sounds like people. we're crapping on the grove yeah, nothing against <laughs> the people who live there it, it's just yeah. not a smart development decision and we should learn from our mistakes yeah um so yeah it's, i think it's a balance uh i think we need more i don't know i don't know what we need i think you got to kind of let that market decide it um let the people come and determine what they want i think in the short term more commercially Rubian's going to be a positive on the west side right some of those strip malls and those types of things out by the west side Walmart that's uh-huh. been sitting empty for a decade a yeah. uh, decade or more I think we should, we'll start seeing those fill up with you know restaurants and clothing stores and phone stores and all kinds of just retail stuff that the workers can be more convenient to go to um, when they get off when they get off work so yeah. in the short term I think some of that's going to be a positive for the city
0: yeah we, to go back to something you said we kind of say on here since we're
1: planning guys and have read some of the same books. You know, we kind of
0: just say uh, the Grove was a bad idea, right? Or, you know, Fox Creek is sprawl and that's a problem. Um, some people might not be where we are. What, what comes to your mind
1: mostly when you're saying something like that, when you're thinking of the problem of that kind of development pattern? Like what is the problem with doing that? Is yeah. That yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, mainly it's the, it's the cost of services, right? So initially you have to pay to run, you know, Sewer lines and sidewalks and all kinds of just infrastructure type stuff out to the new development that 's further away from the rest of the development, so the further you go from that, the more it's going to cost you uh, and then there's the ongoing costs garbage pickup you got to pay for a garbage truck to drive you know two miles outside of where everybody else lives to pick up your garbage yeah because because you 're part of the city um, and you know snow plowing so, and yeah. all that kind of stuff so uh, Start. I mean, that's why it's it grow from the middle out, right? Don't just pick a spot three, four, or five miles outside of town and be like, "This is now Bloomington," and start developing there. Yeah. Um, you grow from the inside out, and that's smart development. Yeah, I've heard it
0: framed as the city services are mostly a price per price uh, per acre or a price per distance, right? square mile. Yeah. And so, the less dense you are, the more spread out things are. The more it costs the city, and it's not necessarily gaining any more income for the city. So there's no more revenue coming in by the houses being way out east versus them being adjacent to the city. So it's increased costs for no more more revenue, and eventually you just run out of money. (laughs) And if
1: you look at our comprehensive plan, um, which... They have heat maps on there, of you know, positive or negative. How's your tax dollars being spent? And developments like Fox Creek, that's been been around for a while now, it's still costing the city more money than it's bringing in, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what we're talking about. Again, it's nothing. It's a beautiful area, gorgeous golf course. That golf course brings a lot of revenue to the community and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at taxes going out versus coming in, it's costing the city more than it's bringing in. Yeah. Compared to like a downtown area, a more dense area, that's usually a net positive. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. There's also an element of what types of uses are allowed there. So in a downtown... Why downtowns are always the most productive per acre is you've got commercial and residential mixed mm-hmm. in there. Um, yeah. And you've got... Uh, well, in our downtown, right, there's no setback requirements, so there's not... You know, we're really taking
1: a strong advantage of the land space that we have there. You know, that mixed use is such a powerful thing, and I know, like... Again, it's a balance. Like, someone doesn't want a, um, you know, loud auto dealer or auto mechanic shop next to their house. Like, I, I get that, and that's why planning is important. But my wife and I were just having a discussion yesterday about... We had visited Milwaukee uh, a couple like, month mm. or so back. I love Milwaukee. Uh, it's a beautiful city. And we stayed at an Airbnb uh, of a friend of ours, um, and it was... Like we left our Airbnb, we walked a couple blocks, and we were at a coffee shop, like in the middle of a neighborhood. And that's become like my favorite coffee shop that's not located in Bloomington, Normal. Like I follow them on Instagram. (laughs) I can't wait to like. The reason it got brought up yesterday was I said I want to go back to Milwaukee just for coffee. Is that weird? Um, (laughs) So, but like that's the type of community, uh, and I mean that the word community in more than just one way, that I think uh, is missing a lot from the way we currently develop things. Right? It's just being able to go for a walk, grab a cup of coffee, go go walk down to the grocery store and pick up a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk yeah. and walk back home. Like, those those type of things, I think, there's a desire for, especially with younger the younger generation. And
0: to meet the people that you live around, too. Like, yeah. I think about in, uh, like, if I was going to do something out in Ireland Grove, think about if there was a coffee shop out there, right, or, like, a breakfast place. And um, You get into some of the resistance that they had in Normal around the, is it one Normal Plaza? I always get the names mm-hmm. confused, but the old soldier and Taylor's home. Oh, know? okay, yeah, yeah. About the the... I have my own thoughts on the way that they were approaching that. But some of the resistance I heard from the people who lived there, I used to live there, my house was there, was like, well, we don't want a restaurant close to us. We don't want some place that sells alcohol close to us because it's going to get rowdy. And I, I think it's unfortunate that it was a brewery is what was proposed because then you have an idea like, oh, it's a bar, it's going to be loud, it's going to be loud music and stuff like that. Whereas people can hear from the ambient noise here, this is a brewery. It is playing Queen <laughs> and people are eating downstairs with their children so it's not super loud yeah. setting that aside I would have loved when I lived there to have some sort of gathering point where I could walk to some place and meet my pe- people that I live with I didn't meet anybody there I met my direct neighbors while I lived there I lived there for three years didn't meet anybody else in the neighborhood because all we did was just get in our cars and drive somewhere else mm-hmm. having a place to sit down and have a cup of coffee or breakfast or uh, gather in some way would be really great
1: for any of these subdivisions. Um, I'd love to see that allowed. uh, The little community that we stayed at was River West uh, in Milwaukee. And, yeah, I mean, they had, I don't know, a couple, two or three, uh, like, breweries, small breweries. It wasn't as big as uh, Little Beaver is, but small little brew pubs and things like that just spread out throughout the community. But the houses were gorgeous, high selling price, like, bringing in a good tax base, not super... Uh, spread out, you know, it's f- fairly dense, yeah. uh, smaller yards type thing, but just a great little community, and I mean so much so that it attracts people like us to go stay Airbnbs there. So, so uh, bringing in outside money to your community is also a, a thought when you're when you're doing mm-hmm. those types of developments. So, yeah, yeah, I mean it's a middle ground. It's seeing what the people want, but it's also just not writing off like I want a big yard because we, you and I, have seen this too, right? Like someday, hopefully, the area around the Grove is going to get more developed. Yes, you and I say that, but I promise you, there are people in the Grove that are counting on it never happening. Uh-huh. They move there because they like the empty, you know, field behind them, but they didn't buy that empty field. There's someone that owns that that's going to want to sell it and make a profit, and when that happens, they're going to be mad because uh-huh. we've seen it. Like we've seen people come to the Planning Commission and go, "I bought this house specifically because there's no one living behind me." It's like, well, things get developed. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean it. If you want a big log, you know, big land uh, with no one around, you buy a lot of land. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only way to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was also
0: driving around West Side. Um, my wife started working at Bent Elementary recently, mm-hmm. so I met her for uh, for lunch. Bent's over on the West Side. So when I was driving around, I was looking at all these beautiful houses that are out there. Um, a lot of them in states of disrepair, and I was trying to figure out whenever I'm driving around or walking around, I'm always trying to figure out well, how, how are these things coming to be, right? They, they don't... Not as much happens in a city just by chance or just by quote-unquote market forces as it seems like it does. A lot of it is the result of decisions about planning and investment and things like that. And so I, I get that the public part, right, the, you know, the quality of the roads in one place versus another, you know, that's, that's, a, city, that's a city decision. I was trying to figure out, like, the private properties, why... Or those not better taken care of one thought that occurred to me is that if you have someone who has say two hundred thousand dollars in their budget to buy a house with two hundred and fifty maybe something like that um, what 's natural for them to do then is go look at new construction mm-hmm. get a get a less than ten year old ish new construction house that costs that amount if those weren 't being subsidized in the way that they are that we just talked about then Instead, that person might say, "Okay, well, I've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a house. Here's a house that's kind of in need of some repair. I can get it for a deal for one hundred fifty, and then I can dump, you know, seventy-five thousand of improvements to this. I can paint it. I can fix that window. I can get that yard fixed up. And like the way we, the way we have grown disincensed that type of thing as well, too. And so then these things end up falling into disrepair to the point where." now it's like a real challenge to like fix the roof and the steps and the railing and the inside and the replace the water, you know, and then all at once. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do it all at once. You're not like gradually, um, people aren't like gradually improving the homes that they're in and, and moving
1: on. Um, I think it's also pride of ownership, uh, and, and it's a reflection of some of the city's decisions on where to spend the money on it, infrastructure improvements. Yeah, it definitely sends a message about what areas are worth spending your time in, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I lived on the west side for um, 12 years, uh, something like that, uh, over 10 years, and I could tell you the entire time I lived there, I had to mow my sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, and, and you go to the east side, that's rarely a problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know someone with a handicap accessible and a wheelchair or a walker would have a real tough time going down some of the sidewalks when I lived there on the west side of Bloomington. Um, You know, uneven, broken, all kinds of stuff happening. And that was 10 plus years I lived there. Now, just uh, maybe they did this on purpose. But within uh, six months after I moved there, I started seeing them redo some sidewalks. Ah. Uh, But I don't know how far they got in that and how much of it got improved. Um, But I think that does something, too, because when you have to, you know, literally mow your sidewalk or you have a cracked sidewalk or or dead trees in the parkway or whatever you might have, uh, huge potholes in front of your house, um, that kind of stuff. It's not a good big incentive to also make sure your yard stays mowed and your bushes stay trimmed and your shutters stay painted, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, you can only do so much as a homeowner and it still look like bad around you because the city's not taking care of it too. So I think it's about, again, I'm using the word balance again, overused today. Yeah. But but yeah, I think it's a balance between, you know, a give and take between the city and the private sector. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. And there's no one, anyone who thinks they have that one solution to it, um, there's going to be oversimplifying matters. and. That was one of the interesting things. When, um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the episode we did with Kelby, but him working in affordable housing so much, he had some really interesting thoughts on the, uh, the just the different dynamics and different approaches and how there's no silver bullet to any situation. So, um, I know just enough about affordable housing issues and housing issues in general to be dangerous. Yeah. Um, but I think we all need to be thinking about it because if we just go by the default track, we end up with things that... Are not conducive to community and are not financially sustainable. Um, and so, if you're, if someone it, it speaks to both sides. You know, if someone's conservative and they're worried about fixing the streets and they're worried about, you know, fiscal responsibility, sprawl is not fiscally responsible. If you're on the more liberal side, you're concerned about, you know, community. Uh, you're concerned about social issues, about the, the homelessness, about people getting houses. Then that doesn't work for that either. So it's something we can—it's a rare issue where we can kind of come together <laughs> on mm-hmm. things, um, hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the uh, what else is going on around here too? I I continue to—I'll just confess—to kind of continue to be a step back from all political issues. Hundred percent. Um, me too. Uh, national and and local. Um, I definitely am more passively informed about local than about national now um,
1: I tend to just let the even some of like the, the school shooting that I you know Oxford, uh-huh. um, I was so far behind that news cycle and like, I, my wife was filling me in yesterday and she was like, can not believe you, you don't know all this stuff yet. I'm mm-hmm. like I seriously don't watch any news anymore. I don't listen to any news anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long that'll last because I mean if you knew me before I was a news junkie, like you know read it, watch it, listen to it. But it just got, I mean, when every story is either COVID or a school shooting or, (laughs) you know, something like, it's like I've heard this story before and we're not doing anything about it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It it really weighed on me for a long time. So I told you, uh, starting November 1st, I wasn't on Facebook until Thanksgiving. Um, And then even then, I still don't have it on my phone. Um, So I'm limiting my time on it. But Facebook's what I found to be the, the biggest I don't know, negative yeah. influence in my life, honestly. Just um, everything is just, I mean, I got sucked into a thing yesterday that immediately after I did, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I just fell right back into it. It's just. It's very tempting and, and designed to be that way too, right? Absolutely. People using a lot of uh, sophisticated techniques to keep us hooked and keep us angry. angry. Something I've meditated on um, over the last like month or so is... Uh, From Marcus Aurelius, like I don't have to have an opinion on this. Um, Just, just remember that. Like I, I think we are so ingrained to think that our opinion matters way more than it does. Uh And social media is designed to make us think that, right? Like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you (laughs) leave a review on this? What's no one gives a crap. Yeah. Um, And all it's doing is feeding more opinions that more people don't care about. So like we're just satisfying ourselves. It's all ego based. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been thinking a lot about that. I don't have to have an opinion on this. It's yeah. something I've repeated to myself several times. Although the irony
0: of us uh, saying that while we're recording ourselves talking, so people can listen to it, I guess they don't it's need true. to if they don't want to. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right.
1: <laughs> um, but nor uh, should they. I mean, if this podcast angers you, shut it off. Yeah, please. There's enough things to be angry about. You don't need to be angry at us too. Yeah. I mean, we saw uh, the when I the thing I got sucked into on Facebook was the you know the local blog, the conservative blog that got taken down from WordPress. Um, I saw well immediately like three people sent me a screenshot of, of it got taken down, um, and. You know, I saw both WJBC W, uh, yeah, and WGLT did an article on it, and it's like, are we, is this where we're at? <laughs> um, you know, some local blog gets kicked off of a free <laughs> um, service, and, like, it's news, and, and it's not just news in the fact that, you know, news people are reporting on it, but it's news in the fact that three people had to message me to tell me about it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me go on a rant for just a quick second. Go for it. I'm still enjoying my uh, chicken <laughs> yeah. sandwich here, so give me a chance to chew on stuff. If yes, I'm. I i do not like that GLT and JBC writes articles on it, um, but I also don't like that friends of mine, people I respect, still visit it. Um, let me just say, you're part of the problem. I don't care if you're going to visit it because you're like can't wait to see what surprising crap they say. You're still part of the problem. You're giving hits. That's feeding, feeding the, the, I mean, I saw a reporter from GLT say, like it or not, this person is part of a local political scene. And I don't like the like it or not part, but I think what the spirit of his comment was, you guys did this. (laughs) You guys are the one visiting the website, making a big deal out of it. We as a news organization are going to report it. So am I mad at GLT, JBC for reporting it? No, I'm mad that they have to. (laughs) I'm mad that people are giving them that power. Like when you, let, me, let me use an example that I think we can all relate to. is Donald Trump. When Donald Trump first was saying I might run for president, or even after he announced he was going to run for president, everyone's no chance, right? This guy doesn't stand a chance. He's a, he's a whack job, all these things. No one, no one gave him a chance at all. Well, here's what happened. People started tuning in and wondering what, he was, what crazy thing he was going to say. Yep. That created a demand for Donald Trump from not just the people that supported Donald Trump, but from the people that thought he was crazy. They started wanting, demanding to know what crazy thing he said. Well, when the demand's there, someone's going to be around to supply, which is the news cycles, right? That's when CNN started paying more attention to Donald Trump, and even MSNBC started paying more attention to Donald Trump. Well now, it's a snowball effect, right? Now the news is reporting on it because you were were interested in it. Uh And now you're mad at the news for getting so much free publicity. It is a snowball, but the snowball's yellow, all right? It's just garbage. It's, <laughs> it's, it, 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 you're feeding all that negative stuff, and it's spitting it right back out at you. So you get exactly what you deserve. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is my point. Like, If you want to keep visiting gross, bigoted blogs and get mad at GLT or JBC mm-hmm. for reporting it, okay. I mean, like I said, I don't like that they have to report it either, but I get why they do. It's because we're demanding it we pay them attention. Every time an article get, or – I'm not even going to call it an article. Every time a blog got posted, I had people messaging me all the time. Do you see what they said? Do you see what they said? They mentioned so-and-so or so, but somebody else. I, I had a – I don't care. I'm not giving it a click. I'm not clicking on the site because the more clicks they get, the more power empowered they get, it's – just ignore it. I mean, ignore it and let it windle down to the 12 people that actually believe that crap. I guarantee you more people go to that stupid blog that disagree than agree. So the power is coming from the very people that don't want it to be there.
0: Yeah. Stop it. You're what part you're of the
1: problem. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, and, and that's why I joke. And every time someone brings up the blog or the person that runs the blog, I act like I don't know who it is. Mm. That's, that's my running joke, but I, there's some seriousness behind it. Like, let's just ignore the vomit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, and that's all it is. Um, so I love you all, but stop it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, you and I differ a little bit with regards to the um, conclusions we have about her. I still get a weekly dump on Fridays of everything that she's written, and I browse through it. I do it because I want to know, for example, especially as the chair of planning commission, if there's something coming up on the agenda and uh, she's trying to rally people to come and speak to us. I like to kind of be prepared for that. Um, I do the same thing for my wife who's on the library board. You know, if there's, if there's rumblings of like people are gonna, people are upset about something that's on there, it's, it's good to kind of have a pulse on things that are outside of my, my bubble. So I do it for that reason. It's probably like five to 10% of it. I think there's probably somewhat of a point. It's really hard to sift through to see. What the point is on that? And I get tired of trying. Um, I have friends who are uh, on the right who uh, don't have as much trouble sifting it. I think because she ridicules more people that they don't like anyway. For me, it's like ridiculing people who are I know or my friends or you know aligned with me politically or agree with me. So it's harder and more like troublesome to weed through to
1: find that good stuff. Um, But, like, the supply and demand thing is still there. By by getting the, the news, you're feeding into it. I mean, let's use us as a podcast, for example. The only reason you and I do this is because we get a couple hundred people to listen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we're making money at it. It's like a couple hundred people want to hear us well, BS I, for an hour. because I enjoy getting together and talking to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's like ultimately the reason. Like we've yeah. always said, we were going to be having these conversations with people anyway. We might as well record it if people are interested. Yeah. Though if we stopped, if if suddenly we started getting 10 downloads, mm-hmm. we might consider, is this really worth it, right? Yeah. And so, like, that's what we need to think about with, with some of this negative crap that's out there, too. Is like, is this, are we just doing this to, to perpetuate more negativity and vile into our world that we're complaining about? It's like you were creating your own mess. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the equivalent of me going, hey, this tasted like shit, try it. <laughs> that's what people are doing when the they smoke sit- is spoiled, tasted. Yeah, when, when, when they send me a link and say, did you see this? That's the same thing. This is going to cause you a lot of, like, anger or sadness or whatever that negative emotion is. Try it. <laughs> like, yeah. no. No, stop. Stop giving me that crap. And I don't know. I, I've, I've been saying the same thing for a long time, but it just recently got brought up when her site got, And I guarantee you she'll put her site back up on somewhere else, mm-hmm. and this is going to continue. I mean, just because... I think it was WordPress, or, or is that the one? Like, yeah. just because WordPress took her down, like, you can't stop. Like, if MSNBC stopped... You know, covering Trump, there's a lot of there's Someone Newsmax else, right? and there's yeah. somebody else, right? So, but I will say uh, something I do find interesting about
0: it is the fact that WordPress would take it down um, based on based on what was in the uh, GLT article without giving reason for it bringing down. That does concern me from the standpoint of um, just if if I had a website that I was using for a reason that I was passionate about. And suddenly it was taken down by the provider and they didn't tell me why. Um, that is troubling that they have the power to do that in that way.
1: It's a um, company. You, you, I mean, you wanted, you wanted that. Yeah. Like, that's the rights issue. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's a private company. I, I get tired of, of those. I said this in a comment. I get tired of those most privileged claiming victim all the time like it's it's yeah
0: maybe a better example i've heard stories about people who sell their stuff on amazon and then um, something happens and they're not allowed to sell their stuff anymore and they're not given a reason why that was a problem and they can they don't really have an avenue for recourse there's not an appeal process and amazon being so huge in the space being taken off that can destroy a small business I guess maybe the response is there's risks of using that distribution channel and they get to do what they want. Um, it almost starts to feel like a utility at some point, though. And uh, if people are given cause for having themselves taken down and ability to resolve that and get back on, it seems like, maybe, maybe put it in free market terms, seems like a good business practice. If, I, if I'm running a website or, or Amazon or something and I'm going to kick people off, you think you should say, you're kicked off for doing these things. If you stop them, you can come back on, right? But,
1: but like, again, it's a free market. And, I, and, and I'm and i not going to speak specifically to any Amazon things. I don't know those instances. But yeah. in this instance with, with the blogger, um, I don't anticipate them making money doing what they're doing. This is not their living. And if it is, yeah. they need to stop asking for donations because that's all <laughs> I ever see, too. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is just because your opinion can't get heard by people on someone's platform, like... If if <laughs> you know if I don't like your opinion, I'm not going to invite you over to your, my party to share your opinion with mm-hmm, all my friends. Mm-hmm. That's what WordPress is saying. Like, I don't like the way you're doing this. You're not invited to our party anymore. Um, go find a party of people that want you there.
0: Yeah, and there definitely will be ample opportunities and locations to do that. And There's some market comprised of people who are genuinely interested and people who hate view it, too. Yeah, um, I've, I wonder about that about... A lot of political shows, like Rush Limbaugh when he was still around, and Fox News. and Well, I wonder, whenever I hear Fox News is the one that um, most people watch, I always wonder how many people are watching it who genuinely are into it, versus how many people are watching it because they hate it, versus how many times is it just on a TV and no one is looking at it, because I'll go in like Chipotle and... It, I don't know if they have TVs at Chipotle.
1: My gym. My gym plays Fox News in front yeah. of the treadmills all the time. Yeah, so, like,
0: does that count? Um,
1: <laughs> does that count?
0: <laughs> just having it on a bunch of TVs in a, in a public location, but I they probably don't have the breakdown like that. No, but,
1: and, uh, I, and it's not just, like, I, I get tired. Like People are like, well, CNN and MSNBC is just as bad, and I don't know, we'll play the just as bad game, but, yes, they're guilty also, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I don't get why people do
0: it in general, though. Like, I, I hear people, and I think they're, like, Boomers and Gen Xers more. I mean, maybe millennials are different, but people who tune into the nightly news every single night because they like need to hear what happened. Like, I want to hear what important things. Here's happened.
1: the thing: uh, you just mentioned nightly news. So, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. if you actually listen to the ABC, NBC, uh, CBS nightly news, it's pretty good still. Okay, it's pretty like I mean, for the most part, fairly neutral. It's the cable news. It's the CNNs, MSNBCs, sure. Fox Newses. Like, they're the ones that just went off the rails. And CNN. This is my opinion. We're stayed neutral the longest. Like MSNBC came around as an answer to Fox, right? Like Fox is the right, MSNBC is the left. And then I think CNN just saw like the money they were leaving on the table by not having opinionated anchors, if you want to call them that. Yeah. Right. And and so that's why they started playing the game also. But the nightly news ain't too bad on, on the local things. I mean, you you still have to have an educate, you know, be able to decipher what information for yourself. Um, but in comparison, they're pretty good. Yeah, just, same. And same with NPR, right? People say NPR is left. It's like maybe on some some topics they talk about, sure. Uh-huh. But given the grand scheme of things, they're pretty damn neutral, right? Like it's a pretty good news source to go to. Now, will you have to take that information in and kind of critical think for yourself <laughs> on, on on some things? Yeah, of course. Like that's what you should be doing anyway. Yeah.
0: NPR, I think, is. Um I used to consider them, like, 100% neutral and was confused why people thought they were liberal. As I've grown to understand the conservative perspective more, I see it more why um, NPR is accused of liberal bias. What I would say is I think it is I think it is a program that's largely put on by people who are liberals, and so they're speaking from where they are and attempting to be unbiased from where they are. But when you kind of, like, get out of the bubble more, you see, like, there, there's just subtle things that clip in that... that come in, like, I'll put it this way, it tends, stories tend to be told from the perspective of the victim in the situation, so, like, there's an oil spill, they're going to interview, like, a bunch of farmer, a bunch of, like, shrimp farmers about how they can't shrimp farm anymore, Um, they're not going to, like, talk about the um, detrimental effect that that's having on the company that had the oil spill, right, Right. so, like, that's, that's fine, but I think it's, like, a more subtle kind of bias compared to... Rachel Maddow or, or, or Tucker Carlson, right? They're just outright, like, I'm just going to chant the, for my side of the, <laughs> the political aisle no matter what happens. And yeah, Those
1: so. shows don't, by themselves, make me angry, by the way. Like, even Tucker Carlson. Like, I'm fine with Tucker Carlson having a platform, like, especially on Fox News. Um, the part of that that makes me the most angry is that it ends in news. It's Fox News. Like, no, it's not. Yeah. It's Fox Opinion, mm-hmm. right? And, and so if it was an opinion-based show which is this it's what it is they take a headline they don't read the story and they give you an opinion on a headline same with the other side same with MSNBC um, if they just stop calling it news I would honestly be a lot better off with it because I think that's the confusion is because people I saw it on the news <laughs> it's like no you heard Tucker Carlson talk about it yeah um, that's not news and that's the part that's always made me more angry it's like I said about our podcast we're not news like don't get your news just from us like listen to what we say hopefully have a thought and be like maybe I should look up and do some research on this that's cool Mm -hmm. Uh, if you want to debate us come on the show but we're not news like I'm not a trained journalist in any regard Uh, so the main thing I'm passionate about is civil discourse and
0: how to have a polite conversation with someone who may or may not agree with you, and just oh my gosh, we got so much
1: that. shit about that for having uh, people on a, the podcast uh, during election season, right? Yeah, why are you giving them a platform? I just like to talk. I
0: think anyone deserves to be spoken
1: to if they're coming to
0: if they're coming to you in good faith with some beliefs. I'll speak to them. There are people who I would not talk to because based on their behavior, I don't believe that they're being genuine. They're playing games, like. Yeah. Um, like the national equivalent would be Milo Yiannopoulos when I see him I don't see somebody who genuinely wants to bring about some sort of positive change in the world I see somebody who wants to provoke and um, and just bother people as a sort of like performance art yeah and that's cool, like, he's apparently doing well, like, he's famous, I know who he is, so he must be, he must have some kind of talent that he brings to bear, but I'm not going to get down and try to actually talk to the guy, because he, he's just being foolish, and there's people you see around online um, who, just based on their pattern of behavior, it's like, you're just trying to provoke and, like, bother, and I, I don't have, I don't have time to talk to that kind of person, yeah. but if someone genuinely thinks something I disagree with, like... I'll talk to any kind of conspiracy theorist about anything. Someone's like, you know, COVID-19 is not real. It's all fake. Okay, tell me what you think. They start going on. Um, probably the, not going to make any sense.
1: Half <laughs> the reason I got into <laughs> politics is because I love debate, right? Like, I love I love hearing an opinion and kind of having a good discussion back and forth on different views. And it's gotten a lot uglier um, over the last several years. And, yeah. Um, it's not as fun anymore. <laughs> I, I even listened to, um, there's a guy named Richard
0: Spencer who's always held up as like the alt-right yeah. founder, like neo-Nazi guy. Um, I found an hour and a half podcast where he was being interviewed and I listened to it and I can say after listening to it, the guy has 100% zero ideas. Like he has no substance. He had no ideas. And the interviewer was actually, he was a conservative guy who was trying to like, kept trying to ask like, so what is this movement? What is it about? Richard would be like, well, this movement's great, it's growing, we've got so much support, we're doing this and we're doing that. Okay, well, what would be the, like, what is your movement about? What are the principles? Like, well, we're just about, like, taking pride and, like, the energy is great and we've got such, such great enthusiasm out there. It's really the start of some really great things. He spent an hour and a half, never actually said anything that he believed that, that he wanted to do. It's just all about, like, getting some sort of movement and rhetoric out there. I really think if you let somebody talk for an hour and a half uninterrupted, you figure out if they really have any ideas or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if they're just blowing smoke. And so that's what I want to hear from folks. Um, anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, that's why it's just been... You can't. It's 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 getting more and more difficult to have a conversation or a debate with somebody without it being personal, right? Like uh, snowflakes or uh, neo-Nazi or whatever term you want to throw out. I feel
0: so bad for people who have this rifts in their family. I'm fortunate enough to pretty much agree with my my wife and my parents on most major things. And uh, I I hear about people who, you know, are estranged from their their family or like just have to. They, you know, gear themselves up to have any interaction with their parents. And it's just such a tragic thing. Um, it's such a tragic thing to have to have politics interfere with the way that we're living in that way. And that's why when I hear people say things like, oh, I'm going to check in to see if there's anything important. <laughs> probably what you're checking in on is someone making you feel upset and afraid and that there's a big portion of the country who doesn't agree with you who are bad people, and not giving you any useful information. Like, I I did the Kyle Ridenhouse case. I didn't actually know anything about that until the verdict came down, and I'm glad that I didn't because it doesn't matter... To me directly, it is not any whether that goes one way or another does not affect my daily life. You don't have
1: to have an opinion on this.
0: Yeah, I don't have an opinion (laughs) on it, but I can hear like the the case can resolve itself. I can read about it and I go, "Mm, okay, that is an interesting like mix of like how much does you know does someone provoke attack versus defend themselves, and that could be kind of interesting to talk about. I can see why there's a debate there, but it's like, well, no, if you don't come down on the side that your tribe comes down on, then like you're a horrible person, or you're racist, you're you're. Communist or like, <laughs> there's no there, there isn't any use to me exposing myself to that information while it's going on. I, I'm perfectly fine to read about it when it's done. Yeah, it's okay. I don't have to have an opinion on
1: it. I was like I said about the Oxford thing, right? Like I didn't know very very little about that. And same with Rittenhouse, I didn't know very. Uh, that was hard more difficult to avoid because it was a longer trial but um, I heard about it but I didn't really look into it Um, the day of or day after the verdict came out I was talking to a friend of mine um, who happens to be African American I asked hey what do you think about that um, the Rittenhouse thing he goes I don't know I didn't look much into it he goes if it, if uh, white guy what do you say Something along the lines of if a, if a white kid Shot a bunch of black people For no reason Then that's fucked up But that's not That's not that out of the ordinary uh-huh. He goes If that's not true Then I don't know I'd have to get more details Like Very Balanced way to look at that Right Like yeah. I don't know I don't know I don't have enough information Well I've um, seen
0: things too About how Paying attention to the news Is kind of a Even a position Of privilege too Because yeah. um, People who got Are low income You know Living Hand to mouth they don't have time to, like, mess around what their opinion is on some case in some different state, right? They're trying to, like, take care of their business, and, like, that. The ah, I wish I remember the number. My friend always treat, teases me that, like, I'm really bad at trivia, but I know when trivia is there. It's like I have a good ability <laughs> to identify trivia, but not remember the answer to it. But it's something like the average person in the United States pays attention to the news for five minutes every week. Yeah. And then there's people like you and me who have the free time and the leisure to go and, like, scroll Facebook for two hours and have some sort of abstract conversation with someone about gun rights versus individual responsibility versus concealed carry, like, how, how nice for us because we're not worried about, like, paying our rent and getting our kid to the school the next day because um, our child care fell through and we got to be at work, you know. Like, I, I, when I, there's a little bit of guilt I feel the more I think about how this, this hobby that I have of following the latest... Uh, latest going on with things. I feel differently about
1: local politics because local politics do affect what's going on. I mean, there's talk about the library, right? And you have more of an impact, right? Like, my opinion on the library, if I wanted to go beyond my opinion and have some action behind it, will have more meaningful impact than Mm -hmm. my opinion on the Rittenhouse case, for example. And you can Um, actually talk to the people that are doing the thing. So it's like,
0: I have a strong aversion to the library expansion, theoretically. Okay, well, I can talk to... uh, I can talk to Julian, the president of the library board. I can talk to – I'm um, stalling because I'm really spacing on Jeannie. Yeah. <laughs> Jeannie Hamilton, the library director who was on the podcast a year ago. Sorry, Jeannie, for forgetting your name. I mean, you can go and just, like, set up a meeting and talk to them. You can talk to the council members who agree or don't agree with the thing. You yeah. You can do that, and then you can inform your opinion with direct facts and information. And then you could try to advocate if you wanted to, you know. You could or you could go point. to an
1: open uh, public comment, and scream at them. Which one? And yeah. one of one would be effective? Call
0: them names, and <laughs> then you know, interrupt a meeting and storm out afterwards with loud. But like voices. we just,
1: we have a lot of opinions on how other people should act. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, and that's kind of funny to me too. It's like, uh, I don't know. Especially again, going back to Facebook and stuff. It's like, why don't they do this? They should be doing this. Um, yeah. uh, yeah. I'm, I'm reading a lot of Stoicism, so all these quotes are coming in my head. So I, I don't mean to be overbearing with it, but like, there's another one. I think it's also Marcus Aurelius who said something like, "Don't worry about what a good man should be; just be one." Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think yeah, I'm, reading
0: it. A, I'm reading. I'm um, reading Jordan Peterson's second book. Yeah, he has one about uh, rule about like get your house in order before you criticize the world. Yeah, like it's it's fine to say like all those people are doing stuff wrong okay, like that's, that's pretty easy. Right. Especially when you just make up people, just <laughs> hey, they, Right. Yeah. I always listen for they day when people are on a, myself included on a diatribe, you know, they should do this. They should do that. Well, who's they, who are these? They, yeah. you're mad at. Um, you know, as, on the other hand, my house is my responsibility. Like what I do, first thing I wake up in the morning, that is 100% within my control. Mm-hmm. Well, I have three young kids and some pets, so maybe 90% within my control, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I can do that. I can choose if I want to expose myself to, like positive ideas, uplifting ideas, encouraging ideas and build myself up that way or if I want to pay attention to things that are filled with resentment and negativity, then my life course is going to change based on that. And then everyone I interact with on a course of a day, I mean I I probably interact with on a regular day 50 to 75 people, right? So the way that I the way that I'm presenting myself and handling myself in those interactions that moves them towards me in some little way, right? So if you think of, like, scale 0 to 100 with the level of, like, positive energy you're bringing to a situation, genuine positive energy, right? I mean, you can fake it, right? Yes. You can be like, I'm just going to per- pretend like I'm not sad, pretend like I'm not depressed, whatever, but you come in with, like, a 75 level of genuine positive energy. If they're at a 50, maybe they're at, like, a 52, a 53 when they leave, right? The same way, you go the other way. If you're coming in with a 25, you're dragging them down. Yeah. So... That, that to me is like the influence people need to focus on having is I'm going to present myself and make certain actions and behave in a certain way and then the, the people that interact with me they're going to get a little bit better or a little bit worse based on that I and mean, then they're going to further go out and have you know that, that cascading effect out into the world um, with diminished impact, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, there's just like not another option really the more I think about it <laughs> that's the only thing yeah. you have to do.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean my, this goes along with just Negative rolls into more negative. I mean, my my attitude, mood, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, aura, <laughs> has significantly improved since I got away from Facebook as much, uh-uh. uh, which I kind of always knew it would, but I kind of lied to myself, too. Um, and this is not a bash on social media. Social media is not going anywhere. I'm still more active than most on Instagram. What's I, a tool, right? Yeah.
0: It's a tool you can use. But if you don't control your use and be deliberate, it's going to
1: control you. <laughs> yeah, and, and Facebook is just, it's its seriously a magazine of everyone's opinion. <laughs> and I, I'll be honest, I don't care about most of your opinions. And mo- most of you shouldn't care about money. Um, my opinion's just, in you know, a shinier piece of garbage than somebody else's. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. I was talking to my son about, like dumb stuff that I he's in junior high now I was talking about like dumb stuff I did in junior high and high school and how glad I was that we didn't have digital storage of most things at that time because I did some really stupid things yeah. and um, we also took some pictures that were not pictures that I would want to see again but they were physical pictures yeah. so you just could rip it up and throw it Burn away, then it. and it's gone right <laughs> yeah. um, I could say a dumb thing or even like, like print out a dumb thing and put it on my locker at school and if if someone didn't like it, I got ripped down, or I could rip it down, then it's all gone. Like the right. fact that everything they do now, from such an early age, is stored and, and brought forward forever. It's man, that's embarrassing. Because I, if anything, gives me humility is to look back on. So I'm 37 now. What I think and how I think and act when I was 27, yeah, versus how I do now. There's a lot of things that I'm glad I improved on. Yeah, and then to realize when I'm 47, I'm gonna feel the same way about it right now. So that's not to say don't express your opinions, don't express yourself, don't try to take action, but have the humility to realize, like, man, I could very well be wrong about something fairly fundamental here.
1: I think you touched on a lot of stuff. Like, Humility is a good part of that. I I also think it's self-awareness, knowing where you are, where you can be. I think patience is in there, too, right? Like, realizing that 10 years isn't that far away, um, look how much you've changed in 10 years and where you're going to be in 10 years and how much can change in that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, perspective is a big is a big deal that a lot of people lost. Like, they don't have any perspective of time um, and where they are and what can happen in that time. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And social media makes you feel like you're so much more... Important than you are (laughs) Yes Um. Like I said earlier They make you think That your opinion matters They make you think That you know People give a shit What you ate for dinner Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah I mean It's I'm not I'm not bashing it I'm just like You have to be aware enough To know that it doesn't Really matter Yeah Like For a while My uh, My banner On
0: What's that, what's that even called on Facebook? Like, the big cover picture that you picture get? Cover picture whatever? Cover picture, yeah. was a guy sitting at his computer typing, and he said, Honey, I'll be up in just a minute. Someone on the internet is wrong. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I find myself, like, carefully wording some statement and then going, You know what? Like, it's going to do anything anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, well. But there are there are times I do interject, to be fair. Um, one of the issues that really got me riled up lately was the death that we had at uh, up in Normal. Yeah. Do uh, you see the coverage of that? Yeah. And to me, just... Such a tragedy. A tragedy in particular because, again, from a planning standpoint, from a transportation standpoint, you know those roads are dangerous. You know that that's going to happen. And I've made that statement statement publicly when we were talking about when the planning commissioners are viewing the plans for the Empire and Veterans Exchange. Yeah. As long as you have large roads where cars are going really fast in the middle of cities, you're going to kill people. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. And, like... If the argument against it is like, well, if you don't have those, then traffic's going to be congested. Okay, I agree with you, but congestion just means cars are going a little bit slower. So, you know, if you're you're able to go, like, 35 instead of 45 for, like, the two miles that you're driving, calculate how much time you save by doing that, how often you do it. That's the trade-off you're getting for occasionally killing and hurting people. I mean, there's accidents on veterans all the time, even though you don't hear about them. And so just realize that that's the trade-off that we're making. And I'm not, I'm not framing it as like a false choice, but that's the choice that we have. If they're saying now in normal they're going to like study that intersection by, um, it's college, college, and I don't remember the intersection, but it's college right by um, Redbird Arena. Yeah. Like we're going to study it. And I was like, well, I'll tell you one way to study it. Bring it down to just a two-lane, bring it down to a two-lane road from a four-lane road. Allow on-street parking that'll slow people down and people won't die yeah. oh well then cars will go slow <laughs> okay but just realize that's a trade off you're making right. so I say things about veterans and I put something on GLT's page about you know um, they're, they're thinking about making veterans more pedestrian and bike friendly <laughs> I'm like you should not do that because you're going to kill people mm-hmm. what you should do is take the traffic that's on veterans it used to be on the outside of town it's not the outside of town anymore move it out to move it out to tawana Barnes. and then you won't kill as many people because people won't need to cross it to get out to that field right You know, it upsets people. Oh, we can never do that; it'd be horrible. Two weeks later, someone dies in a very, not exactly the same situation, but still a similar situation. And I sound like I'm. I feel bad because I feel like I'm using this woman's death for like to to make a political point. It's it's the fact that it's
1: political is. Disturbing as well.
0: Yeah, it's just the indignation to me that, and then the the excuses that are given it's like, oh, well, you know, well, they built an apartment complex there and there's a lot of people walking and there's distracted driving and, you know, students aren't looking when they're crossing the road and you see all these things. It's like, man, the people who made the street knew it was dangerous. They knew they shouldn't have been crossing there and and they put a crosswalk and someone's going to get hit on it eventually. Um, So, again, maybe in 10 years I'll look back and go, gosh, Tyson really oversimplified that issue. He was. I'm open to that. I'm open to more information, but the more I learn about the way we design transportation, um, just the more upset I get about these types of avoidable deaths that we have for the sake of saving someone a few seconds on their their commute.
1: Well, the amount of money we spend to save people a few seconds in their commute tells you, I mean, what do they say where you put your where you put your money is where you put your priorities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that Yeah, and then you just look even the financial cost of the roads being so big. Absolutely. Or or I mean recently uh, relatively recently the um, the turn off there uh, is at Ireland Grove in Twanda Barnes <laughs> it's like multi-million dollars for that little lane oh, just yeah. to s- uh, save people like six minutes that are leaving town or coming into town like mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: really <laughs> like again when Westside side sidewalks are crumbling and we have shared sewer and storage uh, and sto- storm drain like it, that's where we're doing is we're saving people six minutes on their commute like yeah get the hell out of here. Like, (laughs) I just, it it makes my blood boil. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Well, I I hope that, um, you know, some combination of housing and transportation, bring it back to local stuff. um, I hope that that continues to be part of the change that we're seeing as we learn more and have more of these experiences. Um, I hope that it is reflected in the next updates to the comprehensive plans. I haven't heard in... I assume after the census, at some point, Normal and Bloomington would do a comprehensive plan update. Bloomington's a little short-staffed right now with, with staffing changes and stuff. I expect at some point we're doing that. I'd like, I, I really hope that people uh, – I plan to advocate for it. I hope other people do um, you know uh, some responsible reforms in these things. I would
1: guess Bloomington will do it. Um normal I can't help but to say this in a a little bit of a sarcastic tone but Bloomington has no problem making a plan right yeah they got plans (laughs) so so I think they'll do it following through with a plan they they could work on but um, yeah I think we'll do yeah
0: the normal the tendency in normal that I see when a problem comes up is to over plan the situation they want to say we go back to one normal plaza right it's like oh this area is not really taken off let's put together like a very very specific plan for how we're going to build this thing up and my inclination is, is to the opposite. Um, but, uh, I mean, we are running kind of two parallel experiments here. Normal and Bloomington are um, doing very different things. I wish that Bloomington was more... To me, it's like normal is doing things and Bloomington is not doing things. <laughs> That's kind of the experiment. I wish Bloomington was progressing, but with a, a different strategy or more incremental focus than normal was so we could run both of those in parallel.
1: Um, but there, there are very different feels. I have no idea what Bloomington's vision is anymore. I really don't. Like, um, since this last election, uh, some of it falls on the mayor, some of it falls on council, um, city staff, whatever. I, as someone that's fairly plugged in more than the average, I don't know what the vision is for downtown anymore. I don't yeah. know what the vision is for, you know, planning and development. Like, I And don't as know. we've always said about, about Terry, um, you know like
0: him or don't like him you always know where he stood on stuff absolutely he would share his perspective and his vision on things and um i was not involved at the time but to me that vision was and his willingness to stand up to developers and go against the orthodoxy was one of the main reasons why why that sprawl was able to stop around here um i don't see the same thing coming from Mboka. um and I, i hope we can get I just hope that we get more clarity on what his, his perspective and
1: vision is. Tell me what you want. Tell me it, what yeah. you want, so I can decide if I like it or not. <laughs> like that's the hard part, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm hoping we still put an emphasis towards that infill development, um, especially to your point earlier with Rivian and, and um, some of its subsidiaries probably needing more workforce. Um, yeah. But
0: I am, downtown
1: uh, and. You know, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. All the stuff that we care about. <laughs> yeah.
0: The library being in the news is interesting. Um, it, I mean, I, when, it's put, when it's put simply as, like, well, shouldn't we fix the streets instead of doing that? I always have a hard time just directly arguing against, like, why don't we fix the streets? It's, it's so much more complicated than that, you know. I heard someone, <laughs> someone give the analogy recently. It's, a lot of political statements are the equivalent of saying, how do you play the flute? Well, you blow in this end and you move your fingers over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was from a Monty Python sketch. Um, you know, it's like, fix the streets. I'll, you know, just blow into it. It'll make noise. It's fine. It, I know it is more complicated than that. On the other hand, I, I think the fact that it's complicated is a smoke strain that Public Works has used before to say, like... Absolutely. You know, yeah, it's complicated, but that's, like, you guys' job. So, <laughs> shouldn't you... I mean, you, engineers are smart people. You should be able to figure this stuff out. I think they are. Um, so... Uh, so yeah i i get that tension putting that aside my gosh we've been talking about the library for so long so many decades Yeah, it's not clearly, an either
1: or proposition clearly
0: the library i would just say that if someone's like oh well, there's this pet project clearly the library is an identified need there are maintenance concerns there's capacity concerns um it is a social good for the community it's a free service that's provided to the community um so it's like a, it's got a social work type element to it, and uh, it's been going on for what, like fifteen twenty years. It has, and I if mean, it's progressed this long. Clearly, there's some overall desire to do something with it, and we should be the ones who can finally say, like, let's stop talking about it and just do something.
1: Um, I do think the library has made some mistakes in the past that, that has hindered their movement forward as well. Um, and I'm in public about that. I don't need really to rehash that, but so it's not just. I just I just mentioned that to say it's, oh, the, whole thing's the delay hasn't just been because of of one thing, um, but their current plan I think is is on solid ground. Um, you know they got private money coming in. I was disappointed to see Donald, Donna Bolin um, pull out of the funding of that. Yeah, um, I think that's that's very wishy washy and weak in my opinion. Um, we saw we we've seen politicians of all places do that before vote for something but refuse to fund vote against the funding for it um, that way the next campaign they can say that they voted for it without actually putting having the political <laughs> courage to fund it um, so i think that's pretty weak but yeah i mean the, the current plan the library has in place i think is a good plan it's a solid plan it's going improve, to um, improve the library and there's a lot of ex- exciting things going on just east of uh the belt buckle on downtown too um, you know, There's some buildings that have recently been sold to people that have some big ideas. I don't want to speak too much on it because I don't know a lot of details. But I think over the next three to five years, you're going to see some redevelopment and some exciting things happening there east of the Belt Buckle. Yeah. Um, Meltdown Creative Works just moved into that down, downstairs, that Grove Street building. Okay. I think okay. re- and if you've been by there recently, you see a lot of construction happening upstairs. There's some exciting things going on in that building. Yeah. Um, I Is work still going on in the old high school or the junior high at this stage? I don't know. I, mean, yeah.
0: I, mean, I know they were doing something for a while. I oh. think
1: so, but I am not. I don't want to be yeah. certain. Uh, yeah. Where the United Way is, I think that building has recently been uh, sold. So, I mean, there's going to be some, some things happening that are exciting over there, and that all is close to the library. So if you add a library, yeah. a redevelopment on there, too. It just makes our downtown even Bigger though is the problem. Well, I don't. I think if you remember from our uh, from our plan, like core, outer core, and I think that outer core is good. I think it's still walkable, but there's more parking available, like in storefront parking available. Like you could park at the library to go to the library. You could park at the parking lot and meltdown to walk into meltdown. Like that's needed outside the core. Now we need more work in the core, and I completely agree with that. It's kind of it's kind of sad to see so much happening right outside of it without the work going inside of it. But. I think you made an excellent point we were chatting one time about
0: um, pivoting off the library expansion to uh, connect it better to downtown. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember if the current plan calls for switching the entrance back to the um, south side. That would help for the entrance to be at the... Uh, Cause man, if you if you exit out the current exit, just psychologically, you're in a parking lot, and staring and, at a dump. Trying to like yeah, <laughs> and then trying to like force yourself to walk up that hill, which is like the only hill in Bloomington. <laughs> yes. You know, um, like it's
1: just. I've rode my bike up it many times. It sucks. There's so
0: much <laughs> psychological resistance to going to downtown from there. Anything the city can do to just ease that path with its signage and right-of-ways and stuff, but then you got the darn state highway, just like a, a you know, effectively like a, a railroad just like cutting it off. Like, it's like the library can be it.
1: such a critical piece to the Constitution Trail, Illinois Wesleyan mm-hmm. University, Bloomington Public Library, downtown connection. If you can find a way to connect those things, it would dramatically improve... The quality of life all the way through there, the development all the way through there, yeah. Connecting more Wesleyan students to the library in downtown, more easily accessible, yeah. Um, all those types, and then you're connecting. I mean, but if you can get the trail to run through, you know, BPP and downtown, like that, that that's connecting uptown to downtown yeah. in a more in yeah. a more pedestrian-friendly yeah. way, right? Like that's just such a huge improvement. So I, I hope someone with more power than me is thinking about those things. <laughs> I hope so
0: yeah more um bringing it back to more personal stuff again so we're not being too hypocritical um <laughs> what kind of stuff you've been doing for personal development recently uh well you mentioned stoicism a
1: lot yeah so uh, we talked on the podcast i did the 75 hard that ended in uh october um and part of my journey at 75 hard was creating a really sound morning routine mm-hmm. and i stuck with that since i ended 75 hard so uh you know i wake up 4 4 15 every morning um I read uh, for about 15-20 minutes every single morning since August um, haven't missed a day since then a lot of that's been stoicism I, I got my book list I could tell you what I've been reading um, but go to the gym uh, get you know I have a half gallon of water down by 7 a.m. like all those just little things that like you always say I need to drink more water I need to read more I need to exercise I have all that done by 7 a.m. so that I feel pretty good about my day so that's that's something I've been focused on and I'm gonna start. Um, we can talk about this on a different podcast, but I'm going to start the next phase of 75 hard on January okay. 1. Um, so that'll be even, even more so. Um, some so like 75 hard with a vengeance? So, so so the whole program is a year long. Okay. 75 hard is the first part, and then there's phase one, phase two, phase three that are each 30 days. Okay. Um, that's, that's the short of it, but there's some different stuff in there that, that you got to do. But um, I always love talking about books, and I, I've read a few uh, over the last few months. One... We mentioned stoicism If you're halfway interested in stoicism But it intimidates you I'd recommend Ryan Holiday's books Um, Eric Rankin Guest on the podcast Introduced me to, to Ryan Holiday And his books are are easy to read, relatable to current. Like, it's not like you're reading ancient philosophy, but you kind of are. And it's really cool and interesting. So I have now read, like, three or four of his books. Is there one you'd recommend for people to start with? Yes. Um, If you're starting, The Obstacle is the Way. That's the one Eric loaned me uh, first. And that was the first one I've read, like I said, three or four since then. And the rest of his are on my Christmas list to my wife. So I hope to be getting some of those, too. Uh, but just really a great introduction to some of the thoughts and philosophies that's been around uh, for hundreds of years, which is which is cool. Is
0: there something in particular like that's really
1: that you could share that's really resonated with you, an idea or, a, or a I've, method? I mean, I've mentioned a few. The, the, I don't need an opinion on that. Oh, that came from there. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that's that's from I mean Marcus Aurelius, which Ryan Holiday has, has you know, that's one of his favorite uh, Stoic philosophers, but. Just those little things that you, like I say meditate on and I don't mean like I'm sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor. I'm I'm thinking like I read it and I just have to take a pause and be like, what does that mean? And I think about it and then I find myself practicing it throughout the day, right? Like thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have to have an opinion on this. Like something that might anger you right away or something like that. It's like, no, I don't need to let that interfere with my life. Um, and then some other stuff, like, memento mori is a super popular one that, you know, people talk about all the time. Um, it, be, it essentially means it, 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 that you're going to die, and knowing that you're going to die, not in a morbid way, but knowing that you're going to die, live your life like you know that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, like, it, it, in, in the micro, like, we, we might think about, like, friends having a conversation, and they say, hey, did you hear about, you know, Pam? got diagnosed with cancer. Oh my gosh. What would you do if you got diagnosed with cancer? Well, the reality is we all have cancer in some degree, right? We're sure. all, we all have a, a terminal diagnosis. We just don't know when. And so live your life accordingly. And that's the, the idea behind M- me mental worry. And so the, just some of those things that I think about, I write about, they come up and I practice them throughout the day. Um, It's just super interesting to me. So, yeah, it it gives you kind of a more calming way to look at life and a freeing way to look at life, I would say. Um, Gives you some permission to not think about things and to put energy elsewhere Mm -hmm. uh, without feeling guilt. So, yeah. So, I I really like that. Um, But Ryan Holiday is amazing. Eric would be happy I'm promoting him as much too because uh, I know he's a big fan of that as well. We'll put that in, I'll put that in the show notes down. uh, People can check
0: that out if they
1: want to I want to mention two other books that have nothing to do with stoicism just because they're out of the last few books that I've read they're pretty good sure. one is uh, David Axelrod's biography um, okay. which is believer uh, it's my 40 years in politics I read a, bi- a biography I read a biography maybe two three times a year maybe um, and I chose Axelrods this year um, everybody knows I like behind the scenes of politics stuff and he's one of the most popular and it was just I've read Obama's book it was great. I like David Lapswell. better. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's just because my experiences of being um, working on campaigns, not as a candidate was more relatable uh, when I, when I'm hearing him talk Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, But if you've worked on a campaign or have interest in doing so, his was very fascinating and and an easy read for as big of a book as it was. Um, So give that one a shot. Um, And the other one that's kind of opposite of of stoicism a lot, but I I loved it because I grew up in the nineties was winning the unforgiving race to greatness, which is by Tim Grover. Um, the, Tim Grover is the trainer of Michael Jordan, okay, uh, okay, and also the trainer of Kobe Bryant and a couple other famous athletes. Um, but just he really and his clientele isn't like he doesn't take anybody on. He takes people like Kobe, Michael, Dwayne Wade, that just are on a whole different level. Like professional athletes to, to train professional athletes in general would be amazing. He trains like the absolute best of mm-hmm, professional athletes, mm-hmm. and the way they think different about everything it was fascinating to me. Um, Michael Jordan's competitiveness, how he would, how he would, you know. Find something to find that chip that he can then put on his shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know that 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 was a super interesting book. Um, like I said, a lot of stuff that contradic- tra- contradicts stoicism uh, in there, but still very fascinating for me to because I always am interested in how people think and why yeah. they do what they do.
0: Wasn't it in Last Dance? He almost like made up a beef with. Uh, gosh, I am. Uh, was it Kucinich? Is that his, is that his last name? Um, um, there was well, some f- there was some like guy from Eastern what, Europe who joined. Oh, Kukoc balls. Kukoc yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was like during the Olympics they just like all slaughtered him
1: yeah well he did the same thing with uh carl uh the coach um for the sonics like he went in and he didn't you know carl didn't greet or say hi to michael jordan he just used that the next yeah. game yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> things like that it's just like again I, I i'm always fascinated by why people do what they do and, and, and those type of things so yeah. it was a cool look behind the scenes on some of that stuff
0: yeah cool those are, those are good recommendations you've always got a really
1: neat um shelf of books that you're working your way through <laughs> so I, be, I, I do want to promote an app um, app you can download on iPad or phone it's it's literally called um, reading list so they weren't very creative with the name but, and it's a super simple app it helps me keep track of you put in there any books that you want to read you can scan barcodes or search for them online and you can make a list of books you want to read put them in the order in which you want to read them that helps me because I'll often like you know someone listens to this podcast and I'll be like oh yeah that sounds interesting I want to read that and then they forget about it right? yeah, yeah. so when I have someone mention a book I'll put it in the list um, and then it helps you keep track of why you're reading it. So right now I'm reading uh 12 and a half leveraging the emotional ingredients necessary for business success by Gary Vaynerchuk. And I can tell you by clicking on my app here that I'm 29% through the book because I update what page I'm on as I'm reading through it. Okay. And so I can kind of see that the other benefit is I can click on my finish list, which is what I did to tell you what I just got done reading. Um, because oftentimes i suck at remembering names right. of books so i can tell you like i've read this and i heard this from a book but i can now go back and be like oh yeah that was under um you know the compound Effect by darren hardy he said this in that book that's a book i think you would enjoy so it helps mm-hmm. keep track of what you've read what you want to read what you're currently reading um it's just a simple simple app that i've really fallen in love with so yeah
0: yeah, yeah very cool um you still what jimmy going to these days
1: uh, still at Crunch, um, so I've had a couple surgeries and stuff over the last couple weeks. So I ended 75 hard in October, and I had a couple minor surgeries. So I, I was, I didn't miss a day of working out. If you count like a half hour walk as a work workout, so I, I'm proud of myself that I didn't miss a day. Um, but also hasn't haven't been going as hard as I probably was before. Um, again, I'm starting the next phase January one. And I'm excited to do that again. It's going to regard, uh, contain those two workouts a day again. And, mm. and I've probably gained, I don't know, five pounds back since I quit 75 hard, which was expected. Um, but I hope to, again, go hard again starting January. One of those surgeries I had was on my big toe that had been broken for like six months. Uh, and it's fixed now, um, but my toe is still very bruised and still sore. So i am still got to go a little lighter than I usually do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. cool. Glad to hear you're taking care of yourself. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, do you mind if I share a couple of things too? No, absolutely. Yeah. What are you reading? Um, so it's actually been kind of creepy this year. It's like, you ever have one of those times when the same idea or problem just like brings itself, hits you in the face with it over and over and over again? Yeah. Um, you know, as a religious person, I see it as God trying to send me some kind of message and me being uh, too dense to pick it up at first. <laughs> but gosh, starting this whole year, maybe even going back to the beginning of the pandemic, there's... There's been all these things about what truly motivates you, and um, I, I haven't had really good language to talk about it until this recent book that I've read um, called Positive Intelligence. The name of the author I had in front of me, because I have a hard time remembering his name. Um, There's an app for that. But <laughs> Shirzad Shameen is the name of the author, but um, yeah, it was recommended to me by a coach I have at work, and uh, the... The basic idea is, are you, being, are you being pushed to do things, or are you being pulled to do things? Is is fear pushing you? Is fear of negative consequence motivating you? Or is trying to strive towards a positive view of the world motivating you? What was the book's name again? Positive Intelligence. You adding it to reading list? There's an app for that. Yeah. And... Uh, and I will just say, as I reflect back through my life, I've been successful at many things that I've tried to accomplish, um, in my career, my studies, um, there's a lot of things where when I set my mind to things, uh, even getting this podcast started, like it was not easy to figure out how to hook up all this stuff in a yeah. good way. Uh, when I set my mind to a goal like small or large, I, I don't tend to, um, fail unless I'm just like physically not able to, to do it. Right. Um, and looking back on the motivations, though, I think it was 95% fear of failure, yeah. fear of the negative consequences that would result if I didn't do something. And um, even the way I play video games, right? I enjoy video games. But when I'm getting all the accomplishments in a video game, I'm what's called a completionist in video game circles. I, I want to get, like, all the accomplishments. Um, I stop having fun after a while. <laughs> it's like if they have 100 accomplishments, i got to do all of them, no matter how long it takes no matter how much I'm grinding, just, like, bored, it's almost, like, it becomes a job. Like, oh, I, guess I really want to play this other one, but I guess I got to get, like, you know, hundred more bloodstones in Hades or something, you know. And I actually heard someone talking specifically about video games, about being, like, through therapy, realizing that it's a way of coping with anxiety and depression, of, like, yeah. transferring that onto the video game character and then, like, you know, bringing that fear of failure out into the video game. So with this book and what the coaching I've been getting has really helped me do is to see... Like you can, you, I always thought that if I wasn't afraid of failure, then I wouldn't do anything. It's like, if I just don't care what negative thing results, like, no, I just just won't do it. Right. Yeah. Why, why would you do anything? Like, you're just going to sit there. Um, and people probably think the same thing about stoicism. There seems like there's some parallels there, right? Like, well, if you don't have opinions about things, you don't like get upset about things or don't get passionate about things, then why do anything? Aren't right. you just going to wither away? Right. But trying to transition my motivation to things more towards Like, I have the ability to envision a thing that I would like to happen, and I have the power to move towards that positive thing. Example, real little thing, putting the dishes away. I do the dishes in my family, um, and so a lot of times I come down in the morning and I don't really want to do the dishes, right? Uh, And so I tend to be like, well, you know, I I really don't want to put away the dishes in the dishwasher, but if I don't do it, then all the dishes will pile up, and then people won't have spoons and forks, and then, you know, it'll be an even bigger mess to, to... uh, deal with later on, and like no one's gonna say thank you, and no one's even gonna appreciate it. But whatever, I have to I have to do this thing, so I just I'm gonna do it, so that doesn't happen, right? Yeah. And I would force myself through and be like moderately resentful the whole time, right? Get done, and just be like, okay, that one's done. That's you know some mild sense of accomplishment. Right? Sure. um Same exact problem. You come down, so I can envision. Um, think about how pleasant the kitchen looks when all the dishes are put away. Think about how nice that is think about how I feel to have a clean kitchen and then realize I have the power to choose to do that and to make that come to be I can envision something I can imagine something and I can do things and that's going to happen I go and do it boom I put all the dishes away I don't really care if anybody else likes it or not Um, maybe it doesn't work out I'm not really that attached to the people's reaction to my outcome maybe something will happen and that won't work out but like at least I tried to achieve some sort of quote unquote inspiring vision I have in the future yeah. um, this like is a this it, silly little thing but it, it, it goes through everything and
1: it's it's been pretty revolutionary for me actually like empowering yourself to find joy within yourself and not because of outside exactly. sources yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah a lot of um, his theory is that a lot of negative emotion and dissatisfaction and alienation people have in their life is expecting things outside of their control to uh, validate the things that
1: they're doing mm, yeah
0: so I'm going to work out because I want to be better than that guy <laughs> over there, right? Well, that guy could be working or not working, right? Yeah. He could best you. You define your – it just kind of goes against the Jordan uh, mindset. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it works for him.
1: Well, we're not all but, Michael Jordan. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, that's
0: not my goal. But um, instead, like, can I be better than I was yesterday, right? Can I, Can I make a small improvement towards a goal that I have?
1: So it's actually funny you said that because Jordan, one of Jordan's quotes uh, or, or things that he, I know he has said was, how did you become the greatest player in the world? And he said, I never try to become the greatest player in the world. I always try to be better than I was yesterday. Uh-huh. I want to be the best version of me I could be. Yeah. And if you keep working on that, eventually, you know, you will probably be better than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so, and I mean, that's not uh, Muhammad
0: Ali had a great quote like that. And someone asked him why he thought he was the greatest boxer in the world. He said he was the greatest boxer in the world because he decided to be a boxer. He said if I, was a, if I was a garbage man, I would have been the best garbage man in the world. I'd be pulling more garbage than anybody else. I'd be throwing cans all over the place. Like, <laughs> I would just attack the garbage, you know. Um, and, again, that's a, it's a, a different caliber of, of uh, individual than I am. But I can still do things in the same way, right? Like yeah. I, I can bring my best self forward and try to achieve a vision as much as possible. Um, and so th- there's, there's a lot more in there about techniques you can do when you catch yourself in one of those habits that you have when you catch yourself telling your, those stories about uh, things that are outside of your control there's ways you can kind of break out of that basically with mindfulness techniques yeah. so if you if you find yourself really just upset and wound up with something take a mindful take a minute to do some mindfulness activities recenter and then go through that process of like what's my vision for how this is going to work out and how am i going to take decisive action to get to that thing yeah uh, it's very cool it's, and then somewhat related to that but from a very different perspective is uh and it came to me through a completely different source which I said it's weird everything seems to be revolving around the same thing for me right now. There's a CS Lewis novella called The Great Divorce. Okay. It's not one of his more famous ones. But um it's it's about the um again kind of the stories that you tell yourself that prevent you from embracing and in this term it was religious, so embracing God. So it's all these people in the afterlife being presented with the opportunity to enter heaven and all the reasons that they say, like, they don't want to go in. So someone's like, someone's just overly academic and only concerned with their academic career. Somebody else is uh, too resentful of, it's like, well, that, you know, is my husband in there? Because he was a horrible person. And if you're letting him in, like, I don't want to be with him. Like, you don't have the right standards. You're messed up, I'm leaving. It's, It's people, like, choosing for various reasons to move away from the good, move away from what could be... A blissful, um, peaceful experience for them to continue to like toil based on their uh, their view of the world, right. and uh, that's like them divorcing themselves from from what they could be and what they could ascertain. So it's uh, it's real short. I think it was only like 100 pages. I listened well. to the audiobook. book, um, but C.S. Lewis is just an amazing thinker. So yeah. that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, he he told a story. At the, it was actually in the introduction about. Um, is life, He said, is life more like a river or is more like a tree? And he, uh, what he meant by that is that rivers eventually, like, they run in different paths, but eventually they all end up in the ocean or in their steady state together, so it doesn't really, they kind of branch off and then come back together. Um, in his view, life is more like the, the branches of a tree. Once a tree branch, uh, once there's a decision made there, and the tree branch branches off into two different parts, it's not ever going to grow back together again. Okay. And there are these junctures in our life where, like, we do make choices and we move down one path. And if it's not working, just continuing down that path that's not working is, is not going to result in anything different happening. Yeah. you got to make a change, repent, come back to that. As much as you can, come back to that decision that you made. Try to go down the different path instead. Yeah. Um, don't just think that, like, if I just keep going, everything's going to work out. Okay, right. in the end. Um, you gotta be intentional you gotta control yourself, you gotta make those tough choices and get yourself uh, back on, on where you wanna go sure. so um, so yeah those have been really big, um, they've really changed my internal state a lot and uh, I just asked my wife today uh, if she's seen any like outward change in the way I'm handling things, she says she's seen some I'm able to when I'm getting upset by something.
1: I'm able to recover quicker yeah. and bring some more positivity in. So that's a big plus. It, I think I think reading, um, or I mean, some people's medium is podcasts or whatever too. That's fine, but like specifically about the way we think, why we make the decisions we do, why do we have the emotions we have? I think that can be very uh, powerful to to the way you shape the future. You right, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like that's what stoicism has been. And Ryan Holiday's books and podcasts and things have been for me. It's just thinking differently, yeah. having the same situations come to me today that can, may have came to me six months, 12 months ago, and me thinking differently about how to handle those situations and what emotions I'm going to allow myself to feel because of those things. Yeah. Um, the fact that
0: people are in control of their emotional responses is very foreign to kind of the default worldview that's handed to us we tend to think like emotions just occur because of situations Um, they occur because of the stories that we're telling ourselves about the situations and how much we allow those emotions to continue to be present within us Um, and it's not to say be emotionless right because you got to have passion for what you do right but um you got to be in control and be intentional right i don't know if that's aligned with stoic thinking but
1: <laughs> yeah I mean intention for sure um you know b- making sure that you're intentional about, about what you're doing um passion is a different thing but uh, I remember as going back from the Ryan Holiday book um Eleanor Roosevelt was at an event, uh, a fundraising event, and she was introduced to someone with passion. And when she got up, she goes, passion is something I don't have. Um, So I think the absence of passion lends itself to being more intentional, right? Uh, Sometimes when we're passionate, we become unintentional Mm -hmm. and we let emotion take over.
0: Yeah. Maybe I I should reframe as like committed. Yes. You need to be committed to something and not just uh, change your... You know, choose you're gonna do something and then pursue that thing, Yeah. Um, and don't just allow yourself to be shifted by the winds, right? And, right. And if you realize you're pursuing something it's not working, you can choose not to anymore. But have that be a choice as well, and not just choice. like, yeah. not just like I don't feel like it anymore. Um, right. You know, but. The other thing on the lighter side, uh, there's this anime called Cowboy Bebop. Have you ever heard of it before? <laughs> my my daughter
1: has told me about it. And okay. Now, now it's got a live action, is what I would yeah say. yeah.
0: So I I didn't know the live action one was coming. I just had a friend recommend it, so I watched it, um, and uh, it's very cool. I I'm into anime and kind of edgy cartoons and stuff, so I yeah. liked it. Um, the live action version is what I would expect a live action version <laughs> to be. It's yeah. uh, it's very like serialized and, and removes a lot of the subtlety and mystery of the of the regular one uh, yeah it's fine It the actors do a really good job they embody the characters well
1: my daughter's really into anime um, oh she is okay and, and I've never have been so it's a very foreign to both my wife and I and anime in itself is such a large job I mean there's yes. there's appropriate things for a 12 year old and very inappropriate yes. things for a 12 year old yes. and that's been our difficulty in navigating uh, with her and her liking that so much it's like I have to, my my senses have to be so much more uh, compared to like any other TV show that she might watch. Like, like, it all looks the same to me on the surface, so I have to like really dig in to see what the appropriateness is. Do you know the website Common Sense Media? I've heard you of it. I don't think I've I I use there. it
0: a lot. It's my favorite review site for determining if something is appropriate for my kids to watch.
1: Oh, okay. That's good to know. Common and, Sense Media. Common
0: Sense Media. Yeah, the name turned me off because I assumed that it would be like a like a conservative Christian thing. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: fair.
0: Um, but no, I mean, it is they're very balanced breakdowns of like how much violence, how much drinking, how much consumerism, how much know. sex, how much And then you can see like my my kids I'm not too concerned about language with them because yeah. Gosh, there's just no way to. No. There's no way to avoid it anymore.
1: I'm on the same page. Um,
0: and, uh, but you know, sex, I want to be sure to be careful with, and violence in particular too. Yep. I, um, they can be very disturbed with their personalities by violent imagery. So. Yeah. It's not that I don't watch things that have violence in them. We watched all the Marvel movies, which can be very violent, but I kind of watch it with them and help frame things appropriately, right? Right. Um, but what, what I did to get comfortable, what. Um, when I was trying to evaluate if common sense media was a good thing to use, I looked at some things like Pulp Fiction. And yeah. And some like, just like incredibly intentionally <laughs> gross, controversial, like adult-themed shows. Yeah. And they, you know, they would say like 18 plus, and they'd be like, and, and they said in there, like, this, this movie intentionally pushes the boundaries with an excess of really, you know, uncomfortable, violent, and... Um, you know lots of adult content and language um, that 's the audience it was intended for and if you 're going to watch it with anyone younger, you should be um, you know helping frame issues and then it gives you some some options of like questions you could ask afterwards so why do you think? Why do you think they swear as much as they did? Why do you think Vincent killed um, this guy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and it gives you like discussion questions to prompt conversations. So that would be really useful. I think it's a subscription service now for okay. like 30 bucks a year or something. Yeah. To me, totally worth it. I use it all the time. And that would be great for the anime you're not. Yeah, because I don't know like, anything about it. It's like Attack on Titan. Right? Yeah. Uh, my, my son and I just read those books, Attack yeah. on Titan. Um, the whole thing is like pretty much. Violence. Yeah. But there's no swearing and there's no sex. There's not even a romance in it. Um, so just knowing that. Right. We can frame it accordingly. And, like, this is going to be a bunch of cartoony violence about people hacking up zombies. You know? Yeah. And we can be aware of that. Sure. Um, but, um, tr- point of uh, connection to Attack on Titan. Did you hear about there was some controversy with a congressman who posted a video of himself, like, killing AOC and and Biden yes did that cross your feet at all yes I, I've heard of yeah. it so they actually took a clip from Attack on Titan and then posted his the faces on him That's oh what they did. okay gotcha so um, yeah, anyway, the appropriate context for those types of things. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that to anybody. But yeah, I'm going to Sorry to cut it. you off. You were about no. to talk about that. But,
1: um. No, that's okay. That was exactly what I was looking for. Because like I said, I it's so foreign to me. I never have gotten into anime. Yeah. Um, and don't, there's just... Don't let her watch Ninja Scroll. Okay, <laughs> good to know.
0: Yeah, good to know. <laughs> that's an 18 plus one right there. All right. Although I think I watched it when I was in eighth grade, which was too young. Yeah. Well, my
1: parents should not have let me watch that at that time. But, uh, you know, hey. Well, the problem is... Like on some of that stuff that we might have been able to get away with watching when we were kids, was the only time we were stimulated by those things. Yeah. it was when we got to sneak like no. a show an appropriate show. Yeah, in. but it was now like it's a everywhere. A
0: physical VHS tape that right. like you know someone stole from their dad or. <laughs> but something. now they could watch
1: on their phone whenever they want, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's not the only medium; like they get that from everywhere. Um, so it's. Parenting sucks right now. Yeah. <laughs> like junior high was not was yeah. not forewarned to me as much as it should have been. I was explaining to my kids what parental
0: advisory stickers used to be on CDs. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I I, like I really wanted the Marilyn Manson CD. Yeah. So every every time we went to the, the music store, I'd bring it up to the counter, and the person would be like, how old are you? And I was like, oh, 14. <laughs> and he's like, you can't buy this parental advisory. Ugh. And finally I'd like find the one guy who was cool enough or didn't care enough yeah. to sell it to me, you know. Um, but if you didn't buy the CD... You couldn't listen to it. Like, right. There wasn't a way to listen to the music unless you bought the thing. It's or like knew someone who had the thing. I don't.
1: I, I, my my twelve year old is not on any social media yet. We've we've held yeah, off on social media. On that, yeah. yeah, but like you know, TikTok's the thing now, right? So she's like. I, She's not on TikTok, but she can watch all the TikTok videos on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's harder for me to monitor, right? Because she can have YouTube on her phone, on so her computer. And, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, at this point, I feel like just giving up and saying, you have TikTok so I can go back and look at the, what she's watched I on there. Know, but yeah. Um, I just try
0: to watch stuff together with my kids and just try to frame it. I think that's all you can do.
1: Yeah.
0: but I mean, you can't be with them all the time, but right. just... There's no way to avoid it, so you just have to catch it and frame it accordingly. Yeah. One of the things I do with my kids with language is I I try to push against the idea that there's bad words. I don't call them bad words. I call them adult words. Yeah. And so there's certain times when those words are okay to use. There's certain times when they're not okay to use. And it's too complicated to explain to a kid when it is okay and not okay to use those things. Mm -hmm. And so you should just err on not using them. Because if you use them at the wrong time, then... You can really hurt someone's feelings. You could really, like, upset somebody. You could get in trouble at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I could get in trouble. Like, so they're very powerful words, and you should all use them as an adult. So uh, one of the times it comes up, if i listening to music, yeah, like, yeah. rappers apparently, they're like, like you know... I'm, Man, that guy's saying a lot of bad words, Dad. I was like, yeah, I know. He's a rapper. Are you a rapper? No? <laughs> then you don't get to say those. If right. you ever become a rapper, you can talk <laughs> like that, and I'll be really proud of you. Would you get a record deal? Let me know. Yeah. Uh, you can You can swear all you want, son. Like I'll, and I'll be playing it for y- your grandparents, and I'll yes. be like, listen, listen, let's what Judah's doing. Um, but until then, let's not be saying any of these things, please. Yeah. Um, that's all you can do, because you can't keep it can't keep it away
1: <laughs> right it's so it's just overstimulation with everything it's hard um and i'm not the only one suffering so i don't mean to play victim it's just it's a lot harder than i anticipated it uh, and so much has changed in the last year between like 10 11 and 12 that it's just hard to yeah. keep up with
0: yeah well I, um my son's a sixth grader at bjhs and, and Mine's in seven but it's yeah, a, yeah. Well, she missed sixth grade then, right? Yeah, COVID. She did it virtual, yeah. yeah. So, really, it's, like, our first year first in year that environment. environment. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's, like, it's a wild place. Um, <laughs> it's a wild place. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> my son tells me the stuff that happens. I'm just like, woo! <laughs> man, you're getting it. You're getting it with both barrels right now. Like. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't say it as a negative. Like, the world's a wild place, man. That's, yeah. that's the reality of the world. And, um, like, you can try to hide and shelter your children, or you can just put them out and they experience it and then hopefully if you have a good relationship they can talk to you about it you can help them through it they can
1: be challenged and pushed that's the biggest thing i try to i try to instill is like we're on the same team yeah when you have problems you can come to us like yeah that's that's the biggest thing i'm trying to instill right now um
0: when i was in sixth grade that was still part of the elementary school okay and so it's especially for boys sixth grade boys like (laughs) there's They're so little. They also look like babies to me. Um and then a lot of the sixth grade girls, like they're already going through puberty, so they're like a foot taller than them right now. Um my son told a hilarious story where his friend, uh, who he's known since kindergarten, was trying to talk to him in the hall and it was too loud, so she like bent down to talk to him. Um And then, like, his friends saw him, and they were like, oh, you know, like, oh look at little Eli. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that is rough. <laughs> so I showed him. I was like, I, I grew, you know, like 10 to 12 inches in seventh grade, son. So, like, oh. hopefully you'll go the same path, and you'll, you'll be tall eventually. Like, don't, don't I tell I, I told my daughter, and
1: this is true, <laughs> in junior high, I was a sinner on my basketball team because I was the same height than as i am today (laughs) i I am just shy of six foot i'm like five eleven and a half um and i've been the same height since like sixth seventh grade and yeah i went from sitting on the basketball team to (laughs) nowhere not even playing basketball like uh, real quick um, yeah everybody's all the other guys you know spurred up in freshman and sophomore year high school and yeah yeah but
0: there's some things about high school that i would i wouldn't mind going back to like there's some parts of it that i like
1: junior high nope. There's yeah. nothing. No, well, no reason I would want to. <laughs> the thing with junior high is the the dif- Everybody matures differently. Yeah, and they can be best friends. So what I mean by that is like, me, you and I were in junior high, right? And like you mature, you know, ten steps ahead of me. So you're trying to talk to me about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I'm not mature enough to comprehend what you're going through. And I'm not talking about anything specific. It could be like gender identity. It can be like boyfriend girlfriend. It could be any of that kind of stuff but the best friends aren't maturing at the same level. And that can put a lot of pressure on the one that's not maturing and, yeah. a, at that point to yeah. think that they have to say something or do something or play a sport or whatever, like whatever that dis- decision is. And it's just, I can't imagine all the stimulation that they get too with the social media and the yeah. phones with them all the time. And it never ends. Like you can't just go home and be in your safe place and play Mario brothers. Right. Yeah. Like, like you're going home and you still got your phone or your, your homework's online where they can yeah. email you. and
0: uh, yeah. Or
1: you're playing, you're trying to play a video game and then you're like friends like will be pinging you like right. to come play call of duty with them or something. Yeah. Like, that. like there's yeah. no, mm-hmm. it's hard to find that safe space. And I, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's rough. Junior high is rough in general, yeah. always has been, and I, I don't think it's getting any easier for kids today. Yeah, and this isn't a, com- this isn't a complaint, but it's just a realization that
0: how fast we've pivoted on, on the gender identity issue oh, yeah. is dizzying. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know about your school. I assume it's the same as mine. I did not—we didn't have anyone in school, to my knowledge, who was openly gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it just, like, wasn't a thing. And looking back, you can definitely see that there are people who— who were and just were in the closet, right? Sure. Which is not a good situation. And yeah. we had lots of, um, you know, there's lots of things that we said, especially me being an athlete. Like, we'd use lots of language I would not use now that were, you know, slurs based on, um, based on, you know, call someone a faggot or gay or something like that. I mean, I'm so glad we've progressed beyond that because yeah. I that was something that our generation needed to learn. And now... Um, what I'm hearing from my son is it's like, it's like, it's everybody is like some kind of thing. Everybody yeah. is either like, you know, they're, they're transsexual or they're like, you know, um, gay or they're lesbian or they're bi or they're Pan like, or like all these things. And it, it's so complicated. And you can't just say like, I'm trying to talk to him about things, right? And my default is to say, okay, you know, so at some point your body will change and you'll start to be attracted to girls or boys. Or no one. And again, it's not a complaint. No, It's just like, man, in 20 years it changed so much. and No one knows what's going on anymore. So I'm glad people are able to express themselves, and I wouldn't want to go back. But I feel like I can't help him, right?
1: (laughs) I didn't have any of this stuff. I I agree. I mean, I've I've spent a lot of time trying to educate myself so that I can try to help navigate that to a junior higher. And it goes back to what I said about maturity. Like, There were probably some 7th and 8th graders that, 100% 100% certain they're you know on their sexual identity right mm-hmm. 100% certain but they could be best friends with someone that's not at that maturity level yeah and that yeah. puts a lot of pressure on the one that's not mm-hmm. and and it could be very confusing to the one that's not and then as a parent to maybe the one that's not maturing, maturing as fast how do you know they're not maturing as fast maybe they are 100% certain mm-hmm. maybe they're not like how do I just explain that and like I don't know. I I don't know the answers. Um, yeah. But like I tell I tell my daughter like, whoever you end up loving in the future doesn't matter to me. I'm gonna love you. Yeah. Um, but right now you can't uh, date anyone. So <laughs> so let's not worry about it. Um, yeah. and, and that's that's honestly the conversation I had. It's like you can't date anyone. You're in seventh grade. So um, you know yeah. let's just be a seventh grader for a while, and we'll have we'll keep discussing this, and we'll keep evolving yeah. around this yeah. together. Uh, but my son had a reaction to one thing that I feel like.
0: It's the kind of thing that makes me proud of him because I feel like if the world, I feel like in some ways if the world was more like him, we'd be a better place. Uh, there's a, someone he knew from elementary school uh, who was a girl in elementary school and then she came back post COVID and she's a boy now. Oh, okay. So she, uh, he's changed his name and uh, you know, he identifies as a boy now. And he's trying to grapple with that because that's, that's hard for him because he still slips up and calls her the wrong pronoun or sure. calls her her old name instead of so his old name now. See, I just did it right there. Right? Right. It's, like, he's trying to navigate it. And so I was talking to him about it, and I just kind of said offhandedly, like, what restroom does he use? And uh, Eli said, I don't know, but I don't really feel like that's any of my business. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's completely true. Yeah. And I wish everyone else had the same opinion that like, man, that person is having a rough time. And so maybe I should just let them use whatever restroom they want to use and just not get up in their business and not ask them a bunch of questions. It's a great right? response. Yeah. Like, uh, why can't we all just leave each other alone and try to try to just allow ourselves the freedom to be the people that we need to be? Um, so that's the kind of thing huh. where I yeah, yeah, it's like, that's that's what I'm proud of him and glad he's he's confronting these types of things because he can. He can define who he is, right?
1: A friend of mine, a friend of mine, uh, had a, him and I had a similar conversation about how much more evolved our kids are in thinking than we are, just because it's a, it's more their reality than ours, right? They've 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 experienced more of that in their short lives than mm-hmm. we have, uh, being older. It's that, that's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, you brought up bathrooms, so I'm going to ask a quick question. Does yeah. yours ever complain that the bathrooms are locked in the junior high? Yes. <laughs> my daughter just, yep. I don't before understand Before going
0: it. to the bus. Um, and because
1: kids are smoking in there is from what my daughter said. Yeah, or like or like stealing things. Yeah, yeah, or destroying things and stuff so like that's, that. that.
0: That's been really hard for him because it's like you're about to get on the bus, right? Yeah. And so he, I'm like, make sure before you get on the bus, because sometimes the bus takes a while for various reasons. Sometimes the routes are different, you know. Um, and like, make sure to go to the bathroom before you get on the bus. And he'll be just like, it's locked. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not locked. And he's like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And so, what well, is you, that okay? I know, he'll come <laughs> home like very uncomfortable after like squirming around on the bus all the time. Like that's that's More not okay me. with That's,
1: that's not yeah. that's not okay with me. I, like my daughter uh, she gets hungry and, and I my daughter da- you gotta understand my daughter is like a rule follower. Uh-huh. Like she will follow rules when they're there. And so she gets hungry. I'm like, just take your Cheez-Its from your lunch. Keep them in your locker. Take a couple Cheez-Its between classes. They don't want you to eat in the hallway. I go, they have bigger problems if they're locking bathrooms. Right? Yeah. Like, they're not going to yell at you for eating two Cheez-Its between a class. Yeah. But she won't do it still. But, <laughs> but yeah, I just, like, uh, that's how I learned about it is, the like, kids are smoking and destroying stuff in the bathroom, so they have to lock bathrooms, and I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, yeah. <laughs> Man.
0: We got it. Did you get the email about, like, the TikTok challenges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. It was like, the one that stood out to me was slap a staff member challenge. Yeah. Um, I think that's what it was. Something like that, yeah. I just remember it was in, there was a little bit of like, um, oh, what would I call it? Not exactly, it was some dark humor in it, in the email, which I appreciated. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but, because <laughs> they, they had slap a staff member in apostrophes, and um, quotation marks, this is it, and, uh, and it said like, you know, uh, students should recognize I wish I had it in front of me so I could read it again but it was like students should recognize that participating in some of these challenges, in particular choosing to quote unquote slap a staff member could be punishable by expulsion or criminal penalties and should be, um, they should highly avoid participating in these types of activities and uh, I kind of laughed at that, like, yeah. You know. Quote unquote slapping a staff member, but I did talk to my son. I was like, So, Eli, do you know anything about the uh, slap a staff member challenge? <laughs> and he's like, The what? <laughs> I was like, Okay, good. That's and I was like, You realize your mother is a school staff member, right? Yeah. And she's like, Yeah. I was like, So, if you hear about anyone going to go slap a staff member, what are you going to do about that? He's like, Oh, I, w- I would let the teachers know. I was like, Good, that's a good choice. There's certain things where I would say, If you hear someone going to do a bad thing, you should just stand away. I think assaulting one of the school staff members or anyone assaulting anyone or anybody yeah that would be one of the things I would ask you to to let people know about yeah Um, but oh man if some kid slapped my wife in school and put it on the internet I'd have I'd have to do some mindfulness activities let's (laughs) just say so I'd have to do a little bit of mindfulness yeah (laughs) Or I mean, this my wife in particular, but just any of the teachers—they go through so much stuff, man. They spend so much of their time and. the last two
1: years, right? My
0: gosh, they work so hard, and the fact that someone would disrespect any of them like that, or or anyone who's working in the school, like the mm-hmm. imagine what janitors are having to go through right now—all the extra cleaning precautions and stuff—and like, yeah. gosh, gotta respect those people. So, well. Speaking of my wife, I better head home here, man. Yeah. Hour 45 in there. I went
1: fast. With no guests, I think we did all right. Fill yeah. in time. We'll see if anybody listens to it. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you and I feeling like it's all right is kind of a, a not the best determination. For someone that's bitched all podcasts about not having to have an opinion, I give you an hour and 45 minutes. Whatever, I know, so. right? you got to be self-aware about it's that. Right. So, that's right. That's um, right. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. Um, yeah, one more plug for Little Beaver. They're a great sponsor. Very supportive of us. And scarf down my delicious food here.
1: Find them on Facebook. That's where they put most of their updates and stuff. So, Little Beaver Brewery, uh, they're on Finance Drive. Just all kinds of stuff for the community too. Like I mentioned, the home brewing thing, and all the time, all the time hearing people say, like, I was there for some event or some other sort of thing. A great Christmas gift stocking stuffer would be some Little Beaver swag or gift cards too. Yeah, I mean, especially if you have a significant other that hasn't been here that enjoys beer, gift card would be a good, good thing. Or a favorite podcast
0: host. Yeah, get one. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and uh, I also wanted to thank our patrons. Usually this is the time of year when we have to renew our server, um, and that's the biggest bill I have to pay uh, all year. And usually at this time we're kind of scrambling for some sponsors to try to rate together enough money to do that. Because of the support overall for the whole year from our patrons, had enough money saved up to do that with no sweat. And um, it's really just nice to be able to focus on doing what we do here and thinking through and bringing good guests on instead of chasing after uh, money so uh, we do very much appreciate people giving us that freedom so awesome and if you uh, if you also like what we do and you're interested in uh, supporting us check us out on patreon there's a link to our facebook site too Um, but no pressure don't need a ton of money to to run this thing but any little bit is uh, any little bit's appreciated that's right all right so we done yeah let's be done